welcome to the 69th episode of the podcast F4. We're calling it that since it's easier to say than food and frightening film fanatics. Before we get started, our usual disclaimer, heavy spoilers ahead, turn back now if you haven't seen these movies. This week, we're talking about the Urban Legends franchise. There are three movies total in the series. And this episode may be a bit longer than other ones because I'm actually going to go into the uh, various urban legends that are mentioned in each movie. So first up is Urban Legend, that's singular, not plural, from 1998, directed by Jamie Blanks, written by Silvio Horta, and starring Jared Leto, Alicia Witt, Rebecca Gayhart, and Tara Reid. Also appearing in this movie, Robert England, who of course was Freddie from Nightmare on Elm Street, Loretta Devine, She's been in tons of stuff, Grey's Anatomy, Everybody Hates Chris, etc. John Neville, who played Dean Adams, and Brad Dorif, who plays um, a small role at the beginning, but he also does the voice of Chucky from Child's Play in all of the movies, I think, except for the last one. And Danielle Harris, who plays Tosh, and of course she's been in tons of horror movies, including... Halloween. Urban Legends, the second one, is called Urban Legends, the Final Cut from 2000, so two years later, directed by John Ottman in his directorial debut. In addition to directing, he also edited the film and composed its score, so he was very busy. Screenplay by Paul Harris Boardman and Scott Derrickson. Apparently, Ottman sought... um, to create a more wacky tone for this film that was more tongue-in-cheek than its predecessor. I'm not sure that it really came across as that uh, in the movie, but you be the judge. Starring Jennifer Morrison, who was in-house and also played Emma Swan in Once Upon a Time, Matthew Harris, Hart Borchner, Joey Lawrence, of course, from Blossom, Anthony Anderson, who's been in tons of stuff, Law and Order, Scream, Blackish, another scary movie, etc., and Loretta Devine returning from the first movie. The last movie is called Urban Legends Bloody Mary from 2005, so five years later. This was a direct to home video movie directed by Mary Lambert, who did, uh, she's done lots of horror movies, but uh, probably most famous for Pet Cemetery, and starring. Kate Mara, Robert Vito, Tina Lifford, Ed Marinero, and Lilith Fields as Bloody Mary. Where to find these movies? All three movies are available on Amazon for $4 each, uh, but nothing is free on Prime. Final Cut is available on Shutter and Tubi, or the usual $4 each on Vudu, YouTube, or Google Play. The same uh, goes for Bloody Mary. None of these movies are on Netflix or Hulu. I'm sorry. Yeah, Netflix or Hulu. Uh, Here's just a little uh, note. These movies should not be confused with the Urban Legends TV series, and there's at least two of them, uh, and they're pretty confusing as well. One ran on TLC Discovery Channel for four seasons, I think, beginning in 2002. It's called Mostly True Stories Urban Legends. And most, if not all, of those seasons are available on Amazon Prime, hosted by Natasha 
Hentridge. Another one that is just called Urban Legends ran for several seasons, uh, starting in 2007 on Sci-Fi and the Chiller Channel, hosted by Michael Alcock and later by David Hewlett. Um, three stories are presented in each one of those, and then at the end you have to decide which of the three is actually true. The first season is available on Amazon Prime and also Tubi. So um, that's a fun format. Uh, I watched a number of episodes of both of those. And uh, many of them, of course, cover the same ur urban legends, but um, it's interesting to see how they're depicted in both. Rotten Tomato scores. First urban legend, critics gave it a 21%, audiences gave it 37%. Urban Legends The Final Cut, uh, critics gave it a 9%, audiences gave it a 20%, so very low. And lastly, Urban Legends Bloody Mary, critics gave it a 40%, audiences gave it a 28%. So that's one of those that's actually, this. that's the highest rated of the three by critics, and uh, the second highest by audiences. Um... And we'll talk about that a little bit more later. So, the plot. I'll just read the basic plot from IMDb and then talk about the urban legends that are included. So, urban legend IMDb says, A college student suspects a series of bizarre deaths are connected to certain urban legends. And that's really it. Um, so, the urban legends included here are... Uh, Michelle is murdered by a killer in the back seat. The legend is also referenced by various people looking at the back seat or talking about it. Coverage of Michelle's murder in the university newspaper is covered up by the dean, referencing the university cover-up of campus murder, and subsequent fears of the students reference the Hatchet Man legend, which is an unnamed killer targeting college campuses at random. The origins of the latter have been traced to serial killer Michael Speck. And I didn't know that. Brenda and Natalie attempt to invoke Bloody Mary at the entrance to Stanley Hall. Professor Wexler suggests eating Pop Rocks and drinking soda at the same time. The death of Little Mikey from the Life Serial commercials is mentioned by Brenda. The killer later enacts the legend on Parker substituting soda with cleaning chemicals. And obviously that kills him for sure. Damon is hanged from a tree while Natalie is waiting in the car below. Gangs driving with their headlights turned off, pursuing the first driver to flash them and running him off the road. It is mentioned by Sasha in the library. It is later revealed that Natalie and Michelle did this, killing a young man. It is subsequently reenacted by the killer on Natalie and the janitor and later revealed as central to the killer's motive. Natalie finds her roommate strangled to death in her bed with a note saying, Aren't you glad you didn't turn on the lights? The ankle slasher under the car legend is reenacted on Dean Adams. A guest of the fraternity party claims that the song Love Roller Coaster contains a real murder scream. Meanwhile, Sasha screams for her life on air during her radio broadcast. Parker finds the remains of his dog in a microwave resembling the old lady drives wet dog in microwave legend. And the killer attempts 
to reenact the kidney heist on Natalie. A few other urban legends don't appear but are referenced, and they include a caller to Sasha's radio show states that she replaced her roommate's birth control pills with baby aspirin. Uh, a couple suffering from penis captivus calls into Sasha's radio station. Professor Wexler discusses the babysitter and the man upstairs legend during the le lecture, and Brenda claims it happened in her hometown. Parker suggests placing spider eggs in Bubble Young as the killer's next move. Okay, on to the second movie, Urban Legend, The Final Cut. IMDb says, A film school is the center of a fresh uh, spate of killings based on urban legends. So really, this is the same basic plot, except now it's at a film school. Uh, this time, film student Amy, who's played by Jennifer Morrison, has to figure out which movie to make for her thesis after speaking with Reese Wilson, who is the returning Loretta Devine from the first movie. She decides on a movie about a killer who kills, no surprise, based on urban legends. And, of course, everyone dies in the same way. Urban legends included here are... Uh, let's see. Lisa is drugged at a bar and wakes up in a bathtub of ice. Her kidney has been removed. Amy recounts a legend about students screaming at midnight to relieve tension, causing a brutal assault to go unnoticed. This is later reenacted in Simon's death. Sandra tells of a burrito contaminated with roach eggs, which then hatch inside the girl's nose, and a chicken sandwich containing pus from a chicken's tumor. Yuck. Vanessa warns Travis that cell phones cause cancer. The first scene of Amy's film has a girl discovering the corpse of her dog who supposedly licked her hand at night in the shower with a message that says humans can lick too. The basis of one of the scenes in Amy's film is a carnival displaying fake corpses in the Tunnel of Terror. As the carnival moves on, several children are missing and the fake corpses are revealed to be real. Sandra's murder is filmed on camera. Her friends think it's a fake murder because there's no body, but it's actually real and filmed in the same fashion as a snuff film. And lastly, Urban Legends Bloody Mary. Uh, this was the direct-to-video movie. IMDb says, On a prom night dare, a trio of high school friends chant an incantation, unleashing an evil spirit from the past with deadly consequences. Um, this time, the movie abandons the slasher genre that the previous two films had been a part of and instead goes with the supernatural element, and it's all about one urban legend, which is Bloody Mary. So now, uh, I'd like to pause for a minute and play a song from a different urban legend, which is... There are a number of, uh, the who can count how many urban legends there are out there, but this one is the one about Phil Collins and his song In the Air Tonight, which supposedly was about him witnessing a man drowning. I've read that places before, and he, in fact, is on record as saying it is about his divorce instead. So here's Phil Collins with In the Air Tonight.
Now on to trivia. The first urban legend movie was made for uh, 14 million and had a box office. Wait, I think I have that backwards. I think it was made for 7 million and had a box office of 14 million, somewhere around in there. Sarah Michelle Geller accepted the role of Sasha but had to back out due to scheduling conflicts with Buffy the Vampire Slayer. 
Uh, the killer's outfit is based on the fact that the film was originally planned to be set in the middle of winter. When the weather was too warm, it was decided to drop the winter aspect rather than spend all the time and money to make fake snow in the outdoor scenes and dress all the extras in winter outfits. But they kept the killer's outfit, which was a big uh, parka over the killer's head so you couldn't see their face. When Paul and Natalie walk into the hidden room in Professor Wexler's office, a puppet of Freddy Krueger can be seen just before they see the axe. Robert England, of course, is Freddy Krueger and Nightmare on Elm Street. Um, Brenda is wearing a blue ribbon around her neck at the end of the film, as this is a minor reference to another urban legend about a girl whose head falls off if she removes the ribbon around her neck. Daniel Harris, who played Tosh, was a smoker at the time and thrilled to be allowed to smoke while working. She quickly realized shooting scenes while smoking meant she was going to have to smoke cigarettes for hours each day while they shot. She eventually got sick of it and quit smoking. Rebecca Gayhart got sick after eating Pop Rocks all day for the classroom scene. Uh, Joshua Jackson, who plays Damon Brooks, cranks his car before he takes Natalie to that spot in the woods. When it cranks, the radio plays Paula Cole's I Don't Want to Wait from Dawson's Creek, which also had Jackson in it. This film was filmed at the same university as Killer Party from 1986. That was another campus set slasher movie. Incidentally, both films feature a costume party at a fraternity, characters being targeted by a mass killer, and an urban legend about a murder at an abandoned dormitory. Uh, Jodie Lynn O'Keefe was originally offered the role of Sasha, but turned it down to take a part in Halloween H2O 20 years later. Reese Witherspoon turned down the role of Natalie. Melissa Joan Hart turned down the role of Natalie. And Danielle Harris and Tara Reed. Uh, Tara Reed ended up playing Sasha, have been roommates in real life before they shot this film. The book sitting on the desk of Professor Wexler's. Uh, the book sitting on Professor Wexler's desk in his classroom is The Vanishing Hitchhiker, which is one of the seminal texts on urban legends. Julian Richings, who played the weird janitor, later had a recurring role on Death as Death on Supernatural in 2005 in the first season, which was uh, mostly based on urban legends. At the end, when students are recounting the events and one comments, yeah, and Brenda was the girl from the Noxima commercial, Rebecca Gayhart, who played Brenda, was in fact the girl on Noxima commercials at the time. The author of the Encyclopedia of Urban Legends is Charles Breen. The doctor on Tasha's bottle of lithium is Dr. Charles Breen. Oh, and um, Charles Breen is, also, is the production designer on the movie. One of the first films to feature the blue Pepsi cans, which were introduced to the U.S. in 1998. 
If you look behind Natalie and Parker in the auditorium, you will see screenwriter Silvio Horta acting as a college student. The film's fictional location is Melbourne, New Hampshire. Director Jamie Blank's hometown is Melbourne, Australia. In addition to this film, The Skulls from 2000, Gossip from 2000, both of which starred Joshua Jackson, were also filmed at the University of Toronto. This movie was inspired by the huge success of Scream, which was in 1996. Um, and of course, that brought on a whole um, host of self-aware horror films. Um, the film's negative reception was a result of many critics finding the film to have been an imitation of Scream. The last name of Natalie Gregson Wagner's character is Mancini. Don Mancini is the name of the writer of all the Child's Player Chucky movies and the other actor that's a fe featured at the beginning of the film, Brad Dorif, as I said before, does the voice of Chucky. Uh, he's uncredited in that role. Reese Wilson was a lesbian in earlier drafts of the script. The film was shot over the course of 53 days. Professor Wexler had a bipolar disorder in an earlier draft of the script. Let's see, just skipping some of the stuff we already talked about. Oh, and if you didn't know, Brad Dorif, of course, who played the guy at the gas station that was uncredited who does Chucky's voice, was also in One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest from 1975. Tosh was conceived as a much bestier character in an earlier draft of the screenplay. Not wanting to be typecast as a scream queen, Jennifer Love Hewitt turned down the role of Natalie. She was offered the role because of her work in I Know What You Did Last Summer, which uh, we covered in a previous podcast, and that came out in 1997. Julian Richings, Loretta Devine, Alicia Witt, and Robert England have all appeared in one or more episodes of Supernatural. They played Death, a Psychic, an Angel, and a Backroom Doctor. In one scene, the front page of the newspaper... They show the front page of the newspaper, and the writer of that story is credited as John McNeil. John McNeil was the assistant art director of the film. The news reporter announcing the beheading of Michelle on television is named David Mackery. David Mackery is the first assistant director on the movie. Alicia Witt and Loretta Devine share the same birthday, August the 21st. Uh, Reese is seen watching Pam Greer's film, Foxy Brown, from 1974. Uh, let's see. Joshua Jackson, who played Damon, used his salary from the movie to buy his mother a house. Uh, the bloody writing on the wall, Aren't You Glad You Didn't Turn On The Lights?, was used in the episode Honkman during the first season of Supernatural. 
which we already said was heavily based on urban legends. According to license plate on the front of the Dean's car, he lives in Maine and not New Hampshire. Brad Dorif was considered for the part of the Joker in Batman from 1989. Jared Leto, who also was in this movie, who plays Paul, played the Joker in Suicide Squad in 2016. We already talked about all the urban legends that were referenced. Uh, let's see here. Some of these aren't that great, so I'm just skipping them. Uh, Jared Leto was previously in a similar film about a serial killer the year before, which was called Switchback from 1997. Leto was cast based on a dark quality he possessed that was at odds with his conventional appeal and because he was already an established actor known for his role in the teen drama My So-Called Life. Alicia Witt was cast as the female lead Natalie as the producers felt she was against type and also a strong actress whose previous credits included David Lynch's Dune from 1984, Twin Peaks from 1990. She said she was intrigued by the prospect of playing a survivor character who had to endure extraordinary circumstances. see what else um, throughout the shoot Jamie Blank sought to keep on-screen violence muted or implied rather than shown in explicit detail several months of violence written into the screen several moments of violence written into the screen were not filmed among them a shot of Wagner's character severed head rolling onto the road after her decapitation the death sequences in the film however required significant technical planning with Sid Armour providing makeup effects. Tara Reid performed her own stunts during the character's chase scene, including a fall over the staircase landing, during which she was secured by a harness. According to Reid, the stuntman who performed the scene used a real axe throughout the filming. The film was credited by both cinema and folklore scholars as being one of the first major films to redistribute the urban legends and folklore depicted within it to the public. And we already said uh, most of the primary photography or filming was done at the University of Toronto, which stood in for the fictional Pendleton University. The Latin motto of the university, which is featured on the emblem in some scenes, translates to, the best friend did it. That's pretty funny. At the end of the film, students, along with surviving Brenda from an unnamed college, recount the film's events as an urban legend. They joke about the tale's validity, and one says, and I bet Brenda was the girl from Noxima commercials, which I already said she was. Before the reveal of Brenda being the killer, the killer was in fact played by 
Matt Berman. Um, also, we'll talk about this in a second, but Rebecca Gayhart and Loretta Devine were the two cast members who returned for the second movie. The last name of the killer, Brenda, is Bates. Perhaps a nod to Norman Bates from Psycho. It is revealed that Brenda committed the murders to avenge the death of her fiancé, who was killed in a car accident. In real life, Rebecca Gayhart, who played Brenda, pleaded no contest when she was charged with vehicular manslaughter after she struck and killed a nine-year-old boy with her car. Mirroring the repercussions Natalie faced after the incident, Gayhart was given three years probation. I didn't know that. And the body count in this movie is nine. Michelle, Damon, Tosh, Dean Adams, Parker, Sasha's assistant, Sasha, Professor Wexler, and the janitor. The scene where the killer revealed to be Brenda is starting to cut into Natalie's side to remove her kidney before Reese intervenes was added in reshoots to increase the gore factor. Both Joshua Jackson and Rebecca Gayhart previously played college students in Scream 2. here. One of the most common complaints about the film is how Brenda is able to pull off the many kills and traps that she does, including rigging a body in a tree and taking down victims much larger than she is despite the skinny build of Rebecca Gayhart. The ending reveals that the entire movie is being told between people as something that happened to a friend of a friend who went to a school, in other words, an urban legend. And like any urban legend, details are likely to have been altered in the retelling, exaggerating the killer's prowess and brutality of the kills if it ever happened in the first place. Brenda the killer not only gets away, but is implied to have successfully killed everyone in the sequel. Uh, that doesn't mean killed the, all the characters in the sequel. There's a different killer in that one. It means killed all the people from the first movie. Uh, Rebecca Gayhart auditioned for the role of Brenda, Natalie's friend, who eventually unveils her as the film's villain. Numerous actresses were interested in the role, and Gayhart recalls having to go in and fight for the part. She read for the role numerous times and performed multiple screen tests before the producers settled on her for the part. The producers also chose to straighten her hair, which is naturally curly for the majority of the suit, uh, the shoot because they were concerned that it might foreshadow her revelation as the villain. During the finale, however, her hair appears to be in its natural form. Okay, I want to pause one more time for another musical urban legend. This one is Robert Jackson, uh, Crossroad Blues, and the urban legend that goes with that one is that he supposedly really went to the crossroads, some crossroads, and made a deal with the devil in order to be able to play um, guitar better. 
Um, although I don't think it's known where this legend came from because he didn't start it. Uh, he ended up dying at a relatively early age, but the legend has still uh, persist and I've heard it many years ago so it's still around so here is Robert Johnson Crossroad Blues for Urban Legends The Final Cut. Uh, it grossed $38 million on a budget of $14 million. The music played during the credits is the theme from Alfred Hitchcock's Alfred Hitchcock Presents from 1955. The role of Vanessa was originally much smaller in the initial script, but director John Ottman liked the character so much along with the casting choice of Eva Menendez that he exaggerated her role. The opening sequence in the film was originally supposed to take place on a boat. During a location scout, they found an airplane set and decided to revise the script. As it turns out, the original boat sequence was inspired by the plane sequence in Twilight Zone, the movie. Originally set to film on the campus of University of Western Ontario, it was turned down by the administration because of its violent nature. The snowstorm during the filming was completely unexpected. 
as the filmmakers were unaware that it would happen. This is ironic considering the first urban legend was originally intended to take place during the winter. Since the campus used as Alpine University in the film didn't have an actual bell tower, a 150-foot tower was built at an estimated $150,000. All the interiors were done on separate soundstage and the bell was paper mache. The character of P.A. Kevin was based on an actual student at USC where John Ottman, Paul Harris Boardman, and Scott Dickerson attended. The sequence where Reese, again returning as Loretta Devine, gives Amy, played by Jennifer Morrison, a ride to the library was the last scene shot in the film. The campus used during the film filming was Trent University in Petersburg, Ontario. <coughs> The film was shot in 47 days, 10 days fewer than its predecessor. And director cameo John Ottman in the final scene is a mental patient. Um, reached uh, number one in the box office opening weekend with a gross of... 8505000 The film was a moderate financial success, but only grossed about half of what the original made, leading to the third film, Urban Legends, Bloody Mary, being released straight to video. The ice in the tub during Lisa's death scene was actually made of silicon and very heavy. The kidney used in the scene was actually a goat's kidney. The scene with Lisa, Trevor, and Toby at the bar shortly before her death was a reshoot. It was filmed several months after principal photography was completed. It was decided after the film was done that a death scene needed to occur much earlier in the film to add a sense of danger. This is why the character is never mentioned before or after her appearance. Mount had to wear a wig during the sequence because he had cut his hair significantly since. And I already said, Rebecca Gayhart and Loretta Devine are the only two returning characters. Uh, the former is uncredited, and she plays the psychiatric nurse in the final scene. During the soundstage sequence where Mary hides, Amy hides under piano, it was John Ottman's idea to have the killer come and play some low chords on the piano. While the killers are different, this film picks up on the same urban legend where the first movie left off with the kidney heist. Sandra is the second character to die and is set to go to Los Angeles the day after she is killed, which is why no one questions her disappearance. Cafell also appeared in the movie Valentine from 2001 where her character is the second to die and set to go to Los Angeles the day after her death. The character of Vanessa is revealed to be a lesbian with a crush on Amy who is a holdover from the original draft of the first film 
where Reese was originally going to be a lesbian. When Hart Bochner walked onto the film set during the finale, the gun in his waistband beneath his overcoat is clearly visible before it is revealed that he is the killer. And the body count in this movie is seven. Lisa, Sandra, Travis, Simon, Stan, Dirk, Vanessa. And on to the last movie, which is Urban Legends Bloody Mary. Kate Mora's sister Rooney Mora from The Girl in the Dragon Tattoo had a cameo as a student in this movie. Uh, the porn Buck Jacoby was watching at the motel contains a scene from the dream sequence from Urban Legends Final Cut where Amy dreams she was having sex with Trevor. This was Rooney Mora's film debut. Although Kate, Mori play, Kate Mara played the uh, main character. In 2007, Sony sold the rights in the franchise and a fourth installment was planned called Urban Legends Goldfield Murders. However, after being impressed by the DVD sales of Bloody Mary, Sony bought back the rights to the franchise. The film was later released under the title Ghosts of Goldfield from 2007. And sorry, never heard of it. This time, murders are committed by an actual Urban Legend character, and the main characters must find out a way to stop her. There's a continuity nod in that the first two films, the urban legend murders from the first two films are mentioned. The cast features two alumni of the Halloween films. Don Shanks, who plays Coach Jacoby, was the iconic Michael Myers in Halloween 5, as well as the pesky Man in Black character. Jeff Olson, who played the sheriff in the movie, appeared in Halloween 4 as Richard Carruthers. Future developments. As of February 2020, a reboot of the film was announced and in development is scheduled to be written and directed by Colin Minahan. So I don't know anything uh, after February about this. And why should you watch these movies? Well, I'm not sure you should. Uh, the first movie, of course, starts it all off. And if you like Urban Legends, uh, that's a good place to start. I did not enjoy the second movie. I just, uh, I didn't like the characters. Um, I didn't really like... I mean, the acting is okay, but I just didn't like much of anything about the movie. And surprisingly, I like the third movie, Bloody Mary, um, a lot. I, I might even liked it more than the original film. Um, so I, maybe it's because I didn't have high expectations going into it since it was direct-to-video, but um, I actually liked it. So... Um, if you're interested in Urban Legends, check out uh, maybe the first one. See what you think. Uh, on to the recipe for this week. Uh, the recipe, should come as no surprise, is based on a urban legend. And it is the urban legend of the... There's different, many different variations of this. Urban legend of the Neiman Marcus cookie recipe, also known as the Miss Fields cookie recipe, the Woolworths cookie recipe. It's been a, 
attributed to a whole bunch of different companies. Um, you can check it out on Snopes. Um, I'll include the link in the notes. But basically, it's that somebody really liked the cookies wherever they were. This lit, Urban Legends has been around for like 70 years. And they said, you know, can I get the recipe? And they said no. And they said, could I buy it? And they said, yes, it'll be 250 or whatever the number is. And so they said, sure, no problem. And then they got their whatever credit card statement, and it was $250, and they were so upset that they couldn't get their money back that they decided to publish the cookie recipe, which is, you know, these days it's not really hard to find any, any recipe or anything about anything else. So it's just one of those carryovers that's been around for a long time. I know I've heard it before. Uh, and the company's name just change, just changes. But what you might want to do is uh, check out the Snopes website. That's S-N-O-P-E-S dot com. That's a great website for urban legends. They have um, all sorts of stuff. So it's really a fun place to check out. You might want to check out, I think it's the Hot 50 or the What's New uh, yes, there's a lot of political stuff in there, uh, but there's also a lot of stuff like uh, I got from a friend a video about an octopus that was just strolling down the beach last week. And it looked real, but of course the octopus cannot breathe oxygen. He needs to be in the water. And uh, that is one of those listed in the uh, Hot 50 right now. It is, even though it looks real, it is uh, animated. So uh, these days it's really hard to tell what's real and what's not since uh, all the special effects are so good. Anyway, check it out. Um, and in conclusion, I really like Urban Legends. Um, they're a lot of fun. It's interesting um, to see how many are out there or when new ones come um, and kind of what uh, different variations and permutations they take from people passing them around from one person to another and they're making their way all over the internet so um, if you like urban legends it's definitely uh, the series and also the uh, TV series that I mentioned are worth checking out and especially the Snopes website. So I guess that's it for this week. Um, until next week, stay safe and we'll talk to you then.